For the summer, I'm going to be preaching through the Gospel of John. And uh, not through the whole thing, but through select verses in the Gospel of John. And so today, I want to give kind of an intro to the Gospel of John. Like, who, who was John? What does it mean that he wrote a Gospel? What's in the Gospel? We're going to sort of look at the beginning and the end of John to try to understand it. But today's a little bit different sermon. You're probably used to me preaching a little bit different sermons. But uh, today is going to be a little bit of a Bible study. As I, I just want to give you kind of an orientation to the Gospel of John. So, big picture, what is the Gospel? Well, the, the word comes from the old English word, God's spell, or God's story, God narrative. It comes from the Greek word euangelion, which is the word, like you, you may not think you know that word, but you've probably heard the word evangelism or evangelical. That's the word gospel. It's often translated good news, um, but, but good news doesn't quite do it justice. It has this sort of sense of, uh, again, the God spell, the story of God, the narrative of God, the epic of God. If you look up the word gospel in your Bible and you look up all the ways that it's used in the Bible, it, it actually says a lot of different kinds of things. So when, we, when I ask somebody, what is the gospel? Uh, our typical response, if you were trained in the church, is to say, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. But if you actually look up gospel in the Bible, what you find is that's only a small part, a critical part, but a small part of the entire story. It, it, it talks about this whole thing that Jesus came to earth, lived a perfect life, taught, healed, did miracles, announced this new kingdom that was coming. And then he died on the cross, he rose again, and he ascended to the Father. It even has this sense that this good news isn't just about Jesus, but it's about the whole world, and it's something that we are a part of. We're a part of this new kingdom that is coming. And so that, that's this word, gospel. And there are four books titled Gospels in our Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, the early church actually labeled these the gospel according to Matthew, the gospel according to Mark, the gospel according to Luke, and the gospel according to John. So we often say uh, Matthew's gospel, John's gospel. But what the early church said very specifically and intentionally was that there was one gospel, the gospel, and that it was according to. So, so here's Matthew's telling of the gospel. So, so in, the, in the early church... There was one gospel, and four different writers wrote perspectives on that gospel. Um, so we are looking at the gospel, the gospel, the one big story, the one God story, the one good news. But we're going to be looking at it particularly according to John or from John's perspective. And you'd be interested if you read the gospels to see that they actually take kind of different perspectives. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have very similar perspectives, so they're called the synoptics. Sin meaning uh, same, optics meaning eyes or lens. So they're, they're, they kind of come from the same perspective. In fact, we know in the Greek that, that if, if, you were, if you were Matthew, Mark, and Luke's English teacher, you would call them into the classroom and say, hey, you guys have been copying each other. They literally are somehow, and, and people debate on how, but they're actually reading each other and, and using some of the same language. But John's is totally different. John's is uh, a very different than the other three Gospels. You might also be interested, if you read through the Gospels, to find that none of the four Gospels actually say who wrote them. I dare you. Go read them. 
They don't say who wrote them. They will say it in the title, but the Gospels themselves don't say it. Those titles are traditional. They're from the early church. They have a pretty good tradition behind them, but we, we can't be 100% sure that each of the Gospels was written by the person that it says that they were written by. Uh, for instance, Ma the Gospel of Matthew, I think it's quite possibly written later than Matthew's death. I think maybe some of the followers of Matthew sort of collected the stories as Matthew told them and wrote them down. That's sort of what we think happened with the Gospels. You can imagine if, if you were an early, early Christian, so like in the 30s and 40s, you, 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 uh, you knew people that knew Jesus. You'd met a disciple, right? And you started to hear these stories. But as we got further and further away from the life of Jesus, we got two generations in, suddenly there was nobody really around who had, who had actually heard Jesus say these things. You just had the sayings that had been passed down. And so some people got smart and said, hey, we've got to write this stuff down. And so then we get these books telling the gospel. So why is this called the gospel according to John? Well, some, some argue that it is, wasn't written by John at all. Some argue that it, it wasn't actually the John that we know from the disciples. But the strongest argument, I think, is that John, the disciple of Jesus, wrote this gospel. He was a brother of James. They were fishermen from Galilee. They're called the sons of thunder or the sons of Zebedee. And they were part of of Jesus's inner circle and there's actually a clue in the book that may help us uh, understand that John was the author there's this really fascinating character in John you, you can go read about this for yourself I hope you do read the Gospel of John it's in, in its entirety after this so you can sort of get a feel for how the whole thing works but but there's this character called the disciple who Jesus loved the disciple who Jesus loved and we think that that's John's way of sort of saying, hey, this is this is me, in a, in a humble way. This is a very common in Greco-Roman literature. If you're going to write about yourself, you write about yourself in sort of a subtle way. And so we can tell from the other Gospels that a couple times where we see this character called the, the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, it, it's really probably John. And so I, I think the best case is that John wrote this and actually sort of signed, signed his name in a way in the middle of the Gospel. Tradition says that John took care of Mary, the mother of Jesus. You remember on the cross, Jesus gives that responsibility to John. And the idea, the, the tradition says that John did that, and he actually took Mary into the Roman Empire and ended up at a place called Ephesus, where he starts to teach Gentiles about Jesus. And that makes a lot of sense when you read the Gospel of John, because even though it has a lot of reference to Jewish things, so it's probably written by somebody Jewish, it actually explains a lot of those things. Like he, he'll take a moment to explain what the festival of whatever is or this tradition is because he's clearly a Jewish person writing to a lot of non-Jewish audience. The Gospel of John, according to John, actually ends with a purpose statement. So let me read it. John 20, 30, and 31. This is how the Gospel of John ends. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the, the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John states at the very end of the gospel, here's my purpose. I picked signs. Like, like you could, you could there's, there's tons of them. I could have picked a lot of them. I picked these ones so that you would know who Jesus is, that he's Christ 
or the Messiah, that he's the son of God and that you would believe and have life. So what's John? John tells you the purpose. He wants you to think about who Jesus is as he's writing this gospel and understand the application of who Jesus is for how you live your life. It's kind of important because that also means that this gospel is not a biography or a history book the way you might think of one. Okay, there's, a, there's still biographies downstairs in the book sale. If you go to pick up one of those biographies, you would expect like the full life of Steve Jobs or, or Leonardo da Vinci or whoever you were reading the biography of. Right? You'd want to know their, their history, their childhood, you know, what they kind of looked like, what they were like personally, anecdotes. But that's, not, that's, that's a very new way of writing biographies. In the ancient world, they didn't do that. They picked the material so that they could make an argument about who the person was. Okay? In fact, every biographer has to do that. You can't write everything that Steve Jobs ever did. You have to be selective about what you think is most important. And that's what John says he, do, he does. So how does John organize his material? Well, I've given you a hint. On the back of your bulletin, there's a couple notes. Okay, on the very back of your bulletin, <coughs> I've given you a couple of key things. The outline of John, the I am sayings, and the signs in the book. I gave them to you in the bulletin, and if you're going to be in your car all summer, you may just want to leave them in there because we're going to be using this kind of throughout. I just thought I'd give it to you so I can go through it kind of quickly. Here's the kind of outline of, of the gospel according to John. It starts out with a prologue, which we're going to actually read here shortly. That Jesus is the eternal logos. I'll explain that. Then, then there's a whole section, about 12 chapters, where Christ is described as the Son of God through signs and discourses. Signs is a huge word for John. John organized a lot of his material around what he called the signs. Okay, they're, they're, they're miracles, but they, they're not just miracles. They're, they're almost like billboards pointing to who Jesus is. Then he gives a bunch of instruction to the disciples. In John, this is called the upper room discourse sometimes. So right before the, the night Jesus is betrayed, he spends a long time teaching his disciples, and John records a lot of that. Then you have Christ dying and rising again, and then at the end, the work of Jesus after his death and resurrection. So that, that's kind of the big idea, the big picture of John. But John uses two unique ways of talking about Jesus on his way to that. One is the I am phrases, and I've listed them for you. There's seven of them. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. And so in the Gospel of John, Jesus says these I am statements. Now, now remember, if you're Jewish, the name of God is the word Yahweh, and it's translated normally, I am. I am that I am. Okay? And so when Jesus says I am in, a Jewish, in, a, in Jewish thinking, he's claiming to be God. And yet what's Jesus doing? He's adding to the I am. He's saying, I am that I am, but I also am this. He's explaining who God is by explaining who he is. Like his whole purpose is to explain the I am more. In fact, every time he says it, he's actually claiming to be the I am. And so there's a huge theological claim behind these statements. And so again, they're signs. They're these I am statements. But they're, they're sometimes linked to what are called the seven signs. These John actually numbers. He says this is the first sign, this is the second sign. These are miracles, but they're not just any miracles. They're actually miracles that are meant to be like billboards pointing to who Jesus is. 
He changes the water into wine. He heals the royal official's son. He, he heals the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda. <clears throat> he feeds the 5,000. He walks on water. He heals the man born blind. And he raises Lazarus from the dead. And, and so John makes this point that each of these is a sign pointing to who Jesus is. Now sometimes these kind of go in combination. So the, the door of the sheep and the idea that he's the good shepherd, those are only a couple verses apart. Those are two I am sayings meant to be read together. If you look at where these are in the gospel, the feeding of the 5,000 with the bread and the fish goes along with the I am statement that I am the bread of life. Okay, He says he is the light of the world right around the same time that he heals a blind man. Okay, So does everybody see that the I am statements and the and the uh, signs sometimes go together. Sometimes they stand there on their own. So next week we're going to look at the changing of the water into wine at Cana. And that one really stands on its own. There's no I am statement to go with it. But what John's doing is using these seven I am statements, these seven signs to sort of point to who Jesus is. Again, I would suggest this week, okay, you're, you're going to be sitting out by a pool somewhere. You're going sit to on, sitting on your deck on a gorgeous day. Pick up the Gospel of John and read it. And instead of reading it like a Bible study, just read verse by verse. Like, just read it straight through like it's a book, like it's a novel. And watch for some of these things. You get a different understanding of the book if you read the whole thing rather than just reading sections of it. With that background, let's just read those first 18 verses of John. I'm going to read a couple of verses at a time and comment on them just so that you get a feel for how John pulls some of this stuff off. So I'm in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome. So, so when John writes, John writes with a lot of symbolism, a lot of metaphor, a lot of poetry. Okay? Whereas the, the, other, the synoptic Gospels like to write stories, John writes symbols. John writes no parables. And he just writes with a lot of symbolism. So as soon as you read the phrase in the beginning, what do you automatically think of? You should think of Genesis. Okay? So, so John takes us all the way back to Genesis. And he says that in Genesis... There was a word, and this, this translation of word is, is not a great translation in, in my opinion and the opinion of a lot of people. The word there is logos. And, and in Greek, in Greco-Roman philosophy, logos was this idea that is there, philosophers would debate, is there sort of a unifying theory behind everything? Like, is there some kind of knowledge, information that would explain everything? Like this core center truth. This ultimate reality. Um, it, it's the same way that uh, in the world today we're debating string theory and a lot of these things to say, is there a way we can sort of explain the whole world in one big thing and how the world is connected? And so philosophers would debate, yes, there is a logos. No, there is not a logos. There's no central theme. It all just kind of is everywhere. Yes, there is a central theme. We don't know it. This was a big philosophy discussion. And John says, hey, in the beginning, there was a Logos. Yeah, there was this center truth to the whole world. 
Notice that John says he, and so he, he's assuming that actually this Logos is a he, it's a person. And it's interestingly enough, he is with God and yet was God. What a wild way to talk about somebody or something or some idea. He was with God and was God. That's a very unusual description. And yet, that's what John's doing. John, right from the very first verse, is making some huge Christological claims about Jesus. He was always here. He was in the beginning. He's the center of everything. He was with God, and at the same time, he was God. Verse 1, we're already getting Trinity kind of stuff. John seems to love the Trinity. He gets in the Holy Spirit even later in the book. But he, but he has this sense of this epicness of Jesus, that from the beginning, Jesus was... Now, then he, he, he kind of goes back and forth between Jesus and John, John the Baptist. So now, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So, so Jesus says, hey, there's this other guy, John. You may have heard of John. Okay, probably stories were circulating about John. But, but he says that, that he wasn't the light. He was like a prophet sent to bear witness to the light. Now, in Jewish thinking, we're looking for Elijah. We're looking for somebody who would claim the Messiah was coming. But he wasn't the light. So verse 9, he goes back to the true light. See, he's going back and forth between John and Jesus. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of will of the flesh, nor of will of man, but of God. So John says, hey, hey, this logos is light. John, again, loves his metaphors. Water is important in the Gospel of John. So is the image of light. Jesus is eventually going to say that he's the light of the world. But this idea of light, hey, this is another way to say logos, right? The light, the center of the world, the, the, uh, the light that lets us see everything else. Yeah, yeah, he came into the world, but the world didn't get it. Some did. Some did, and those who did, they get to be called children of God. I mean, they, they really get it. But, but those who didn't, well, they're in trouble. Here's the crux of it. Verse 14, and the word became flesh. The Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. From, for from the, his fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here's the amazing claim. That logos that everything made the world, that center of everything, actually became flesh. So that Christmas is not the start of Jesus. It's just a move for Jesus. Hey, Jesus always was, but then he became flesh. See, John doesn't give us a birth story, right? There's no shepherds. There's no wise men. What John gives us is a theological birth story, a metaphorical birth story, 
that there's this light, this logos, and he became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt is the Greek word that in the, in the Greek translation of the Hebrew is the word for the tabernacle. And so what it, what it really says is he, he tabernacled with us. He tent camped with us. We were in the wilderness and he joined us. And he tent camped with us. So, so we're, we're already getting not just Genesis, but now we're in Exodus. Now we're getting the whole story and Jesus was a part of that story. He's taking that story forward. In fact, everything that Moses could do in the law, Jesus fulfills. He, he makes it so that we can have grace because Moses could only take us so far. He could only give us law. He could only get us in trouble for our sin. No, the Logos, the Logos came along and could actually correct the sin problem. This is, the, this is the gospel according to John. This is what John does. When you read John, this is the kind of thing he does. These great sweeping metaphors and stories as he's trying to capture who Jesus is. He portrays Jesus as God come in the flesh. Uh, he, he's clearly the God who, who was at the Father's side who's now making God known. How does he make God known? Well, he comes and he does signs. He comes and he says, I am, and he, and he fills in the blank for the I am. And so the question of the Gospel of John then, as, you read, as we read John, as we go through the whole Gospel, is do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah? Do you actually think that we're right? Do we actually think that Jesus, do you actually believe in who Jesus is? And if you go through John, some people do, some people don't. Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night, but he can't, he can't get past his possessions, so he, he can't follow Jesus. But the woman at the well who he sees in the middle of the day, oh, she actually will believe. Some people will come to Jesus because they want to be fed like the 5,000, but they don't like that he's the bread of life. See, the, the, the entire question of John is, do you believe in who Christ is? And what are you going to do about it? And that, that's the question I'll start with today, or I end with today as we start this series, is what do you actually believe about Jesus? Okay, was he, was he just a good teacher? Or was he the son of God? Just a, just a good dude? Or is he really the Christ? Was he some kind of healer? Or is he actually the logos, the center, the key defining thing of how life is supposed to be? And, and I'll tell you, here, here's, here's where the rubber actually meets the road, right? You're in church. You probably say here, yes, I believe that. But the real question is, do you live it? Right? Like when you're at work and you're mad at somebody. Okay? When, you, when you're actually dealing with your grandkids. When you're actually out in life. If you actually believed everybody, these huge claims about who Jesus is, you would live your life dramatically different. That's what John's getting at. Do you actually believe in this huge epic story of who Jesus is and what he did for you? And if you actually believed it, can I look at your life and can I see it? That's how we know you really believe, if it actually changes your life. So I think this is gonna have a, we're going to have a fun ser sermon series this summer. Sometimes we're going to preach these, these signs and I am sayings together. Sometimes, or the, sometimes they'll be separate and unique when it's called for. Uh, but we'll just kind of work our way through the Gospel of John, particularly the I Am sayings and the signs. And I, I think there'll be a lot for us to talk about and think about, about who do we think Jesus is? And do we live our life as if we actually think that that's true? May God speak to us as we journey through the Gospel according to John this summer. 
Amen.